And two, three, one. Welcome. Two, three, one. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> Blue for real. Welcome to the No Book Books Club with Beck Sess and Rowe. We're back. Thank Can you. Can you believe we're still here? I know, I know. It's because we have no boss. They yes. can't get sacked. This is so true. That's true. Joy of Thank podcasting. you all for listening. Um, we're always happy to take any of your suggestions or inputs. Tell your friends. Do a review. Send us an email. We have an email address, but we can do all that at the end. I'm, the intro is getting way too long. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> no books, book club. All right, now we do have another bumper show. I think we're getting better as we go along. Isn't that the joy of spending time together mm. in the studio? Now, Beck, thing of the week, mm. you have gone and found a new way to meet some fellas. <laughs> Tell us all about it. <laughs> I laugh because I thought it was a new way to meet some fellas. Oh, but did you meet some new lady friends instead? Well, as. Using Rose's favourite word, the dating world is a bit of a bin fire at the moment. <laughs> Has been for quite a while now. It's a good word. Um, and I don't know, a lot of it are finding it very challenging to meet people in normal settings who don't like dating apps very much because dating apps can be quite challenging after a while. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a very much a real life person. I like to mm. go out and meet people. So I've noticed that a lot of single people these days now, speed dating is kind of back. There's a lot of events being held on at pubs and bars. They're very hard to get into, though. Really? They sell out so quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So I saw this one and I jumped on it straight away because, as you both know, I love gardening and I love plants. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought, what a better way than to meet my dream man through pulling out weeds? So I follow Ceres on Instagram, which, as many of you will know, was a beautiful community garden, cafes, et cetera, Mm. out in uh, Brunswick. They've got another little garden up the road called Joe's Garden, which is in Coburg, so you can sort of walk there from Ceres. Beautiful. They grow lots of organic food there. They've got a little cafe, very cute. So they decided to do a basically a dating event but where you kind of go along and can meet people pulling out weeds which is kind of unique and different but why not you know like a lot a working of, bee yeah and I mean lots of people don't like to drink as well so it kind of takes that pressure off having mm. to go to a bar or a club to do speed dating and having to feel like you have to have a wine or something yeah so I rock up and I'm thinking this is great you know there's gonna be guys just you know, gardening, fun guys. I don't know. I'm really excited. Make myself look nice. You know, got my hot overalls. overalls. I actually, did wear my overalls. No, I'm talking about the guys. But you got your hot overalls, so that's a good start. Yeah. And I'm sort of standing around. I got there right on time. So 10:30 a.m. on a Saturday, and I'm standing hot around. Hot time for dating. Yeah, totally great <laughs> dating time. And slowly, more and more women just start rocking up. And by about, I don't know, after about 15 minutes, it's just 30 women and one guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's a clam fest. Absolute. (laughs) I love that terminology. (laughs) And look, to be honest, you know what? If I liked women, I'd be very happy, but unfortunately I'm very straight and I don't go for Probably most of the women there were straight too, so... I did find that out, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of women were looking a bit confused or a little bit, you know, the sisterhood was a bit like, this is lovely, it's nice to know there's other women like us out there who are also finding this a challenging time, but also where are the blokes? 
You know, that we came in with, with my $30 I paid to, you know, come and meet a nice bloke. Where are the sausages? Oh, they charged you $30 to pull out weeds. Exactly. With the promise exactly. of hot blokes and, oh, yeah, That's okay. the best community garden fundraising idea Absolutely. <laughs> Gee. No blokes aside, it turned out to be a very beautiful and cathartic kind of couple of hours. Yeah, right. We, lots of women my age going through having the same struggles as myself with the dating world and the world we live in today, um, also feeling the pressures of kind of getting older and children and all those kind of things that happen to you when you're a woman and, you know, you start to get closer to your 40s. And we all just sort of had five minutes each and chatted to each other about what we do with our lives. And I met a whole group of beautiful women. One's a midwife, one's a lawyer, one works for not-for-profit. And we formed a little WhatsApp group and we were going to catch up for a wine. Oh, so it was actually a raging success. Yeah, it was lovely. It was really lovely. It, I mean, we were all quite disappointed there were no sausages, <laughs> as Rose <laughs> no lovely put it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it ended up being, yeah, I think we all kind of, in the end, kind of came away feeling a bit like we weren't the only ones, which you can kind of feel like after a while when you're trying mm. To put yourself out there and, you know, make those things happen. So yeah, it was really it was really beautiful in the end and lovely. Yeah. Go the sisterhood. Yeah, okay. exactly. Go the sisterhood. Now Ro <laughs> over here has just pulled out her magic witchy balls. Uh, <laughs> make a lovely sound effect. Let me describe them. They're they're a, a dice kind of arrangement. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, and I think some of them are shaped differently yeah, to what, others yeah. and there's numbers on them. They're green with a bit of sparkly business inside and I don't know what kind of witchcraft awaits me. <laughs> Let's go. Well, it's kind of a little bit more like vampire craft Ooh. because I'm going to be talking about... Uh, it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure book uh, called Thousand-Year-Old Vampire by Tim Hutching. These... Are. These are game die, um, so they do come in multiple different um, shapes and sizes. This particular set um, I bought off Etsy from an independent maker. Um, they're quite I, beautiful. They're, yeah, they are. They're called Dragon's Eye, so they're beautiful, they're golden, they're green and they're blue and they're all scrunchy and sparkly. Chuck me a hexagonal one. Get that into you. I think that's an octagonal. Oh, <laughs> I like this square one. Anyway, this is all visual. So, Let's go. Yes, so the premise of um, this particular style, we I'm sure we all remember when we were kids, the good old choose your own adventure oh, books yeah. where you'd flick through and, you know, it'd say, do you want to do this or that? And you'd bounce to whichever page. Just a mighty piss me off when you get to a dead end, though. You get killed immediately. <laughs> like what? Like frustrating. Rubbish. The whole premise of this is that you are a thousand-year-old vampire. You are horrified a little bit at your nature, even though you kind of enjoy it a little bit. Mm. You withdraw from society. You know, where do you hide? How do you feed? And you basically have to create your own story and you know also how do you go about creating beauty in your new reality so essentially you you have this beautiful book and it is a book I've done it again I've shown up with a bloody yeah. book um, it, 
has, it comes pre-stained with like red wine Ooh. glass marks and Ooh. all that kind of stuff. Uh, it looks like it's got old calligraphy in it. It's really absolutely beautiful. Oh, it says beautiful. withdrawn on the front too, like it's come from a library and been taken and out. And been banned and hidden mm. and locked away. So I'm, I'm being visual again. I'm holding it up for Beck and Sess, but uh, each of these pages is the result of a choose-your-own-adventure scenario. And so you can journal you can actually oh, okay. journal as you go. I love that. So there's a couple of different ways you can run with it. So in a quick game, you answer the prompts entirely in the memory area of your book. So you've got your little book and you put your little notes in there. It's fast, satisfying and helps you interpret your vampire story really flexibly. So you play it by yourself because it's yeah, you can, you a, absolutely a sort can. of book. Yeah, Okay. Yep. But you can also take a journaling game where if you really got into it, you could probably almost end up writing a book all of your own. Oh, wow. Which is really, really cool. So you answer the prompts in writing, dedicating, you know, as many paragraphs as you want to each question, and you end up with a document that you can look back at later. So it's also really cool because it's got a little bit of a framework so you're not just bouncing around from page to page. So you choose characters. So some of the examples are um, Hamia, my neighbour, a friend and enemy, or Peter, a shepherd boy who tends my flocks. What about skills? Is someone a butcher? Is someone a hill wanderer? Some of the resources you get are a sack of silver coins or a large flock of sheep. And, you know, you can even turn people into meat sacks, but the really interesting... (laughs) That sounds delightful. Yeah, so that's not what we're talking about before. Well, exactly. But these particular meat sacks is kind of like zombifying living people, so that you can drink their blood, Ah. but they're a bit clueless and derpy and zombie-esque, and they're just Mm. they're literally like little little carcasses. But it's um, one of the interesting things you have to do is you are thrown challenges as part of the choose your own adventure, where you have to make really horrific terrible, terrible decisions. Oh, my God. Um, And you also, because you're a 1,000 years old, time doesn't mean as much. So you're also forced to lose memories. So, like, if you're doing the journaling game, it'll tell you you've got to forget about the second last character in your life. And it could have been someone really meaningful. So this is a a book slash game that's also designed to um, invoke a little bit of grief and a little bit of regret and get you all up in your feels. Forgetting a real person or a person in the book? A person in the book, yeah. Oh, but you can, like, parallel it with your life. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So it's, it is designed to be a whole lot of different things at once. So one of while, when I started playing it, um, you, you know, one of the things I got is a loved one discovers your condition and helps you, so you then create a mortal character for them. And you've got options about how you want to do that. And then... You manipulate them into committing atrocious deeds. <gasps> what do you do when they get upset with you? Don't forget, humans are just tools to vampires. Also, what? you're a thousand years old, so you don't you give a care. shit. You, you really don't give do? a shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> who, who wrote this book? Uh, a guy by the name of Tim Hutching okay. has written it. And if you did want to turn it into a big sort of Dungeons and Dragons group role play, I think you absolutely can. Um, he's put tips in the back of the book on how you can play it in a whole bunch of different ways. And you basically roll these gorgeous die to send you on your way and figure out which page and which adventure and, and mm. that 
that you're up to and frankly you could also use it to choose characters and all sorts of things you know what what do you regret about doing terrible things wild. to your characters <laughs> it's it's really intense and it it sort of doesn't really have a sense of you know time like linear say, time it's take you a thousand years to get through it all cuz mm. you could you could spend months on this if you really wanted to. Do I need yeah. to smoke a joint before I start? <laughs> it's interesting you say that. Not that you I reckon these I reckon it would be worth it. So yeah, so in you know, in, in conclusion, a thousand year old vampire, you can purchase a PDF to download if you're like just mm. want to get going. Mm. Um, and you can also buy the hardcover book. Definitely recommend the hardcover the book. book's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it I love a good hardcover. Yep, and if you don't have um, nerd dice, you can get them from Etsy, from yeah. Game shops. Or just go to the, the op place. shop and get yourself an old Yahtzee box. <laughs> <laughs> Yahtzee box. Exactly. It's got so, ten dice in there. Yeah. yeah, right. Nice. Now, I just want to congratulate you on the use of your word derpy during that too because, I don't yeah, know, I've impressive. never heard that before, but it's actually my favourite word I've heard in ages. Great. Yeah. Derpy. Good work. I love that. The no Book Club. Sess, are you watching, reading, listening, hearing? What's your medium this week? All right, I'm doing a bit of both. I'm watching and I'm listening. I got a bit into cults lately. I thought, I actually need to listen to more podcasts. I'm not very good at listening to podcasts and I I listen to them. (laughs) Ironically. (laughs) Well, I think that's why. the podcast producer who's doing a podcast. (laughs) I think that's why because I'm using my ears all the time and when I'm not using my ears, I just want to have a little rest. Totally. So finding other things to stick in my ears often is just like, oh, no, I'll just zone out. So I was like, no. I want to listen. So I, I downloaded the BBC Sounds app mm. and I thought, okay, I'll just see what's on offer here and then I'll keep coming back and finding some more. So the first port of call was a podcast called A Very British Cult. From now, the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> Although they're, they're not in favour at the moment for the whole Russell Brand thing, but that's a whole other mm. story we won't. That, that's not a cult, but maybe. So A Very British Cult, it was interesting because... It wasn't like a religious cult so much, but like a life coaching system. Uh, And about this guy who was a South African entrepreneur, came to London, set up this thing. And and that whole concept that someone can wield power and influence over their followers and followers will just keep coming. Mm. And then this was all really about, you know, give us this much money and then you will get, you know, put into this category of, a level of influence mm-hmm. within the group and then it was called Lighthouse, the cult. And the whole premise is, as all cults go, is that people would come in, their money would be taken and they would get sucked in and told how to, you know, live their life. And it was all about, yeah, brainwashed and really about trying. So they were sold the kind of idea that by doing these courses and these phone calls. Like they'd basically sit on the phone for eight hours a day with other members of the cult being told things like their family didn't love them, they Mm. weren't toxic, they needed to remove themselves from their family. It's like emotional abuse almost to get them into the cult. Yeah. Yeah. The host and the journalist who's put this together, her name is Katrin Nye, and... It's really interesting because she she does get onto a couple of members of the cult who have since left. 
And so she gets the inside scoop from them. And then right at the end, she gets to confront the whole cult leader and everything because he's taken to court. So it works out that there's this parallel court case that the police are putting together against Lighthouse at the same time that she's putting together this podcast series. So it sort of culminates in it coming together and it all getting exposed. Mm -hmm. But I guess the thing that I took away from it was, and, and I guess it's a bit like conspiracies, is this whole thing that the people within the cult everyone else is pushed away from them. So they become yep. part of this family of people that all believe the same thing and they're told to live a certain way. And then all the influences outside of that mm, mm. are taken away from them so they, they lose perspective. They're often taken at like a very vulnerable time in their lives, I feel, these people that become... So maybe they're going through something traumatic that happened to them or they're feeling like they're disconnected from their family and so they're very vulnerable emotionally. So then these cult leaders, if you like, can kind of impose all these new ways and kind of make them feel like this will make them better. I often notice that when I watch or listen or read about those cult leaders, that's sort of their way. It's the ultimate echo chamber too, mm. you know, mm, and, yeah. and all of a sudden everything around you feels comfortable and right and everyone's agreeing with you mm. and it feels warm and fuzzy. And then if you do go back to interacting with family who are worried and going, nah, mm. well, they're the mm. bad guys straight exactly. away that make you start feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, There's yeah. a really interesting part in it actually where one of the mums of someone that's that's in the cult, I think it's the guy who's, who's come out of it, she actually had spoken to to an expert on cults mm. and they had said to her just to, don't challenge him right so at one point he went and sold his house and gave 135,000 pounds mm, to this wow. guy because yeah. he was asked to yeah. and his mum had to sign a document so he mm. could get the money and she didn't dissuade him she just said, okay, well, you're making this decision and we support your decision-making. And actually, because she didn't stand up to him, it made him later then come back and, and think about it and go, hang mm. on, she really had my best interests at heart because she didn't try to tell me that this was the wrong thing she knew I wasn't going to listen. It's just fascinating. Yeah. And you... the whole power struggle. Like the, yeah, exactly. the idea of being this person that thinks they can get everyone around them to believe yeah. what they, and be in charge. It's and fascinating. People. Oh, it's, I, I find it, obviously there's some really awful ones and some awful stuff that goes on, but there's some really interesting ones and it's a real, um, it just shows how in, it's kind of incredible as human beings what we can do to other human beings. And I don't know whether you guys are familiar with Nexium, mm. the big cult in America with Keith Romero. Yes. Who, oh, yes. And there's a great show on Binge actually called The Vow. It's a bit of a slow burn, but it's 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 pretty much parallel same story. It's like almost like a pyramid scheme thing mm. where they get you suck you in by getting your money and saying you can be a teacher of this way of life and if you pay X amount of money, you are then like a leader and you can teach more people. It got a bit more weird than that but it's the same thing and they talk to ex-members who have kind of snapped down and realised what is this and then a woman whose daughter was in it who was trying to sort of save her from that and it's all the same things and it's just fascinating. Yeah, that humans, we're so weird. Mm. 
Well, I followed it up with The Clearing. Have you seen The Clearing? I just, do you know what? I just (laughs) watched it two weeks ago because we actually did the post on it at my work Mm -hmm. and I had, I don't know, a lazy Sunday and so I'm going to watch it. I watched it in a day. It was brilliant. Brilliant. So The Clearing is, it's a series that's on Disney and with Miranda Otto and Mm -hmm. Guy Pearce. It's incredible. And it's based on a cult that was in Victoria, mm. I think in the 80s. Called maybe, The Family. Called mm. The Family, yeah. 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 So in, in the show, it's called The Kindred. Mm. But mm. It's basically a woman who took a whole lot of babies who from their mothers when they were born, created this family and she was hell-bent on making this like, like a utopian yeah, like kind a, of society. like a way to, yeah. to live for everyone and mix these kind of Western religious and Eastern ideas together. And she was just completely bananas. And I believe and then made them take acid. So it's called mm, The Clearing yes. because they were given acid um, to have almost trips as a way to reach the next level kind mm. of thing, which I believe is actually something the original woman it's based on did to yes. the children. Mm. Yes, um, yeah. And it's it's interesting because you do see a lot of drugs being used in these instances as well and they're kind of, you know, they're a religious thing that we need to do to yeah, get to you get to the other side. Yeah, to get a higher meaning. And, and, yeah, exactly. And yeah, so anyway, I've just been uh, revelling in cult life lately <laughs> and um, I, I don't know, I, I think the older I get to, the more fascinated I am by the concept that, Human nature is just all about power. Mm-hmm. So often the root cause of things that go wrong, whether it's small children or CEOs or politicians or mm. everything in between, you know, bitchy friends, oftentimes it just comes down to a power struggle. Yeah. You know, and these kind of cult things, it's just like this amazing dynamic that, yeah, I just I find it fascinating. Well, there's plenty out there. And if you want to join a cult, listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've got time for the yeah, cult. None, none of us have got time. Not to... the podcast. I mean, the podcast is fine, the cult. <laughs> no. I wanted to talk this week about what I've been noticing in a few shows I've been watching recently, which actually modern day shows, so made in the past year or the past few years. And I'm finding, I'm watching these shows and I'm finding these conversations happening between women where they're almost, I hate, food shaming is such a weird way, but it's kind of the only way I could kind of explain it, where there'll be two characters and they're at a carnival and they're having a conversation. They've just been at the fried food stall and they're walking back and they're having a conversation about how, oh, it's naughty to eat this fried donut, but I went to the gym this morning, so that's okay. And Mm. These conversations have nothing to do with the plot or the storyline or anything to do and they're just kind of thrown in there when you could just have the two women walking away from the stall and going into the next scene or... And I'm finding these things happening and I'm like, why are we still (laughs) putting these things in shows? Because there's subconsciously people are watching when they have nothing to do with the show and subconsciously you're watching that as another woman and going oh, yeah, like I shouldn't be doing that. So we're still making women feel bad about eating things through shows. Do you know what I'm saying? No, exactly. It's kind of hard to explain what I say. No, 
I get it. Well, it's it's kind of like those things like, you know, internalised misogyny or, mm-hmm. you know, or people who, you know, bring their kids up and they think they're encouraging them to be healthy but they're encouraging really disordered eating and that kind of thing. And one contrast I'd love to throw into the mix is the Ocean's Eleven movies and Brad Pitt's character Rusty eats relentlessly and it's never even referred to. Exactly. He's just sitting there with his eight-pack chowing down. Yep in a very expensive suit and there's never any, but, you know, this brisket's going to put oh, a few I'm inches have to have on my bum. Tomorrow. I'm going to have to run from the police yeah. tomorrow because it's Ocean's yeah. Eleven. Well, when you were describing that scene, yeah. all I would love to just see those two women walk away with sugar all over their face after the donut. Totally. That would be much more or relatable. Or just eating mm. the donut saying, how good was that donut? Like, mm. And I'm, I find it's interesting you bring up men because I did want to bring this up mm. to see if we could think, I can't think of any times in film, TV, where men are involved unless the men are gay. And then okay. you often find men might, gay men characters in a film might have that conversation and it's, it's, it's once again, it's like a stereotype that gay men are seen as fit and healthy perhaps and... Yeah, got to look cute for pride kind of stereotype, <laughs> yeah. In a way, yeah. Why are we still doing it? It doesn't matter. It was probably written by a man, let's be honest. Probably. And it's just pointless and I don't understand it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it is poor writing. It's like, oh, how do lady brains work? Mm. Let's have some food angst. Mm. It's like, oh, mm. that's great. Um, mm. Might be a Nobel Prize winning scientist, but, you know, <laughs> kick on about my breakfast. Let's, uh, <laughs> ask her about her dress and what she had for breakfast. I think it's interesting, though, like what you say about the internalised misogyny and and all this, like, messaging that goes out. Like, my daughter is 10. She has Mm. a Fitbit watch um, and it has calories on it. And a few times she said to me, how many calories should I... And I said, I don't know. You don't pay attention to that because mm. actually mm. I don't know and I've never paid attention to it. And I'm like, I certainly don't want you as a 10-year-old to be worried about your calorie consumption. Not when you're growing mm. still. You're well, growing. not at all. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. you know, if you're eating a healthy, balanced diet, you don't yeah. really need to worry about. And you have good days and bad days, let's face it. Mm. What were the shows that you were talking about so that you Virgin saw River. <laughs> Which is a show yeah. I love on Netflix. <laughs> look, um, I, yeah, look, I secretly absolutely love it and I'm a bit horrified to admit it. It's great though, isn't I it? it. <laughs> I don't I think what I like the most about it is it's beautiful. where it is set is just beautiful. Mm. Certain like is, is it Canada? I think it's Canada where it's filmed. Oh, I don't know. It's just like beautiful American forests, yeah. you know. And it's got some Channel Seven midday movie vibes about it, hasn't it's it? It's actually oh, got but the acting's cheesy. I actually really like it. There's some really strong characters in it. And there's some really lovely storylines as well. Um, but it is very almost kind of like a cheesy northern exposure, if you like, if mm. anyone remembers that sort of show. Yeah. So that one, which I found unusual because it really threw me as, as, as it happening in that show because it's a show I really love and I wouldn't have expected it. And then Cougar Town was another one. <laughs> Um, That's not but surprising. But this is only two that happened in a couple of days. Like, I know there's been other shows I've watched and I've seen this. This was just two that kind of came up in a span of a couple of days. I was like, That's it. I've got two shows already that this has happened. Mm. It's and not yet, good enough. Do better. Yeah, it was just a bit on the nose and it was a bit like, We just don't need to be discussing this. We're going to have to do some further deep diving know, into gonna, what really eating in, in yeah, film and TV thinking, means. I, yeah, because I actually reckon um, Bro- Brooklyn Nine-Nine did quite a bit on eating themes. Okay. Um, so they had uh, Terry Crews plays a character called Terry and Terry Crews as an individual is absolutely jacked, like mm. whatever, but um, there's a fat Terry 
timeline that comes in and out mm. um, and there's a bit of fat suit wearing there. Um, it, it's handled with a little bit more nuance than the Monica yeah, okay, on Friends storyline yeah. um, and he's very clear it's about emotional leading and, and, you know, what's worked for him and what hasn't and stuff like that. But there's also... Um, two characters, Hitchcock and Scully, who are just complete maniacs and, and they'll, like, take their shirts off to rip into a hoagie so it doesn't matter if they get it <laughs> everywhere and it's absolutely revolting, but they really revel into it and it um, it ended up becoming such a plot point that they did a whole episode on how back in the 80s were the, these were these gorgeous, really hot... So they did this throwback <laughs> of these two hot young guys with the, you know, fast quips and all this kind of stuff and then one day they... Um, went to a Wing Sluts restaurant, tried their first ever bit of takeaway on the way to the gym and just lost their minds and they never came back. So. <laughs> yeah, all right. So that's that's a good treatment Seinfeld, of it, though. They eat a lot in Seinfeld, but I think that's because a cafe is central to, mm. to the storyline as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, yes, famous people don't eat. All right. No, well. <laughs> no, they're all on Ozempic anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think ultimately... We don't, yeah, we don't need to food shame anybody, really. It's, no. It's not a plot point. I mean, there's, I think a part of it is probably done subconsciously as well, but at the same time, exactly, it's not a plot point. Just leave it out. The No Books Book Club. Okay, it's that time of our show where we just get to have a sook and... I mean, how good does it feel? Because really, I don't know about in your real lives whether anyone cares whether you've got something to moan about. (laughs) I moan all the time. It's okay. Do you? Well, I try to be positive, you know, pansy, and I'm like, no, you know, moan-free zone and (laughs) gratitude, not attitude, mainly because I get sick of everyone else's moaning. But this is great because this is our moan zone. Oh, welcome to Mm. the depths of the moan zone. (laughs) So today I just really want to have a moan about... The existence of the brain worm. Okay. Now, I don't know if you remember a few, a little while ago in the news, a woman in Canberra went into the hospital. She was having severe headaches and they couldn't work out what was going on. They opened up her skull and they found a worm had gotten into her brain. Now, I don't know about you, but it was like the most horrifying thing I could think about. <laughs> Apart from being eaten by a crocodile, it's like, you know, just... It happens on Grey's Anatomy, so it must be real. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> this is a documented case oh, of yeah. the brainworm. Oh, yeah, there's a whole episode where they break, they go on his head and he's wide awake. It's amazing. Oh. I think he's the brother of Patrick Dempsey, actually. Oh, oh. even better. Oh, mm. and they're not just shagging in the He's just cupboard. come back from South America. You know, he's got the Peruvian oh. worm or Whatever something. the heck, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's making me feel sick. So, great, let's <laughs> keep going. But the reason I wanted to bring it up as a moan is because I have a very little vegetable garden and I grow just like, I don't know, a handful of things, not very well. Sometimes I get a good crop and I had a good crop of spinach lately, right? But this brainworm came from spinach that was pooed on by a snake, right? Okay, so that's the context of where it came oh. from. So this lady ate the spinach, had the poo in it, oh. parasite, whatever, went to her brain, oh, caused a worm. Now... There's no snakes at my house. <laughs> I know that because we're not okay. near any water. And the snake would have to climb into the box. So it's very unlikely that a snake is going to poop on my spinach. But it's very much about wash the 
absolute yeah. ever loving crap. Exactly. Out of everything you're going to eat. I'm ever. sick. I'm sick of people not washing their veg. Like I had this conversation daily. Yeah. You get your stuff from the supermarket. Imagine the bazillion people that have touched it for starters. Yes. It's probably been in a fridge for two years. That's touched by a million other people. Wash your bloody vegetables. Yeah, yeah. It's not hard. No. Well, during COVID, I think I shampooed my vegetables in the yeah, beginning when definitely. everyone was like, you know, all about the sanitizer. Yeah, so I've gone from being this like, oh, look at me, I'm so proud of my spinach, to living in absolute terror that I'm going to end up with a brainworm from eating spinach that I've grown. Do you, do you want more terror? Do you want a few more, you know, oh, layers in that lasagna of I terror? Don't think so. <laughs> because maybe cat poo will do it. Maybe bird poo will do yeah, it. Well, I mean, who yeah. knows? Yeah. And also, birds do drop snakes mm. in strange places by accident oh, sometimes. Geez, so just. Yeah. Everyone's got to wash everything. Shampoo to that death. spinach, baby. <laughs> get down to the op shop and get one of those Tupperware salad spinners oh, so that you're flicking everything to the outside. Spin it, spin it, spin it. All right. Everyone's welcome to my house for shampooed spinach salad. <laughs> I'll just uh, stick to the champagne. Okay, sure. <laughs> hey, um, thank you for a wonderful ep. We've done it. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And thank you for everyone who has listened and subscribed and left us a little review or even just a five stars. That'd be nice. And, Ro, what's our email address? Nobooksbookclub at gmail.com. So if you've heard of something or seen something or checked something out that you think we should suss out and talk about, shoot us a note and we will check it all out. See you next time. Until next time, goodbye. Brainworms. Brainworms. (laughs) 